Rocco, life is about change now. Firefox, DuckDuckGo, XFCE. Wow, that was I deep. I fan. I got to go with Ryan on that one. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> that was deep. <laughs> but you do have a gnome, Rocco. I do have a gnome. You have a pet gnome. And if you can't see it, Dolphin, it says, I love XFCE. It was oh, given to me by I... somebody. <laughs> Ryan. You know, that's pretty meta. A gnome who says, I love XFCE. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. Because that's... Rocco loved gnome back in the day, but now he's going to convert to XFCE. You know, you have to pronounce that gnome, though. It's a gnome. Well, we we just, gnome, gnome. we just, yeah, we decided yesterday that we're going to go with Tux Digital's uh, version of it, and we'll just say gnome gnome. Gnome, 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 gnome. There you go. That way, no, everybody's happy or pissed. <laughs> one or the other. <laughs> All right, is everybody ready? We are ready. Let's do this, Rocco. All right, let's kick it off. Welcome to another episode of Destination Linux Podcast. Welcome to episode 47. I'm Rocco. And I'm Ryan. And this is Destination Linux. This week we have news to cover. That's if we get time for it, because we have another interview with an awesome guest. Today on the show we have Dolphin Oracle from the MX guys. So, Dolphin, you've been on the show. You were on the show way back in episode two. That's right. It was great. Back then, I was mostly the big evangelist YouTuber for Antics and MX. So, you know, I'm a little bit in a different position these days. So. All right. Well, let's start there then. What position are you in with MX? Well, with MX, I'm one of the uh, I'm one of the lead developers for MX now. Uh, this go around with the 17, I'm actually responsible for putting the ISO together. Um, I don't know. I've only caught. We don't have really have a title for it, but call it a release manager, I guess. Uh, kind of that idea, anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, we we kind of split things up a little bit so the Annex guys can can focus on the Annex project a little more. And then we can focus, we're trying to take over more of the actual technical building stuff on the MX side. And actually it's leading to a better product on both sides, I think. So we've got to spread the chores around a little bit more. You know, you, you brought in Antics <clears throat> in your YouTube video. You have a lot of Antics videos out there as well. And so describe for our listeners, what is the relationship between Antics and MX and what's the purpose of one over the other? <laughs> okay, so... So a lot of people, uh, and I find on my channel, a lot of comments from folks say, you know, a lot, a lot of the these big, these lightweight distros started with a heavier distro, and they and they lightened those up. So what they what they when they look at Antix, they think, well, that's just MX lightened up. It's actually the other way around. Uh, Antix uh, is actually originally branched off of Mepis, or Mepis, depending on how you say it. I don't, I don't actually know. It's a weird word, one of those another weird words. Thank yeah, goodness, right? we didn't either. Well, a little known fact, MX is actually. Pretty- Fred, but we don't tell people. It's that. pronounced what? It's pronounced Fred. Really? Really? Okay. <laughs> I, you know, it's so ridiculous the naming convention. Sometimes I would have believed it. I would have believed it. Believed it. You would have seen my next YouTube video talking about Fred. Fred That's going to be the title of the show: <laughs> Dolphin Fred. Oracle of Fred. So, so anyway, so Mepis, around 2006, uh, uh, the developer, Annex, Anti uh, Capitalist is his whole name. We call him Anti. Um, 
or anti here in the in the U.S. Uh, he, he spun off a lighter weight version. Uh, Memphis was based on KDE uh, for I think the original, uh, or actually a three, the original. That's how that's how far back Memphis goes. So KDE three, and then a Memphis twelve was supposed to be KDE four, but twelve never happened. The uh, the lead developer Memphis was actually a one man show, even though they had a community. It was really controlled by one person, and he was a great guy, but he was in it for the money, and the money went away. So he went to pursue other things. Um, he's still around. He's still actually he still hosts a few of our premieres for us. But um, uh, so he 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 left, and that left Annex as the the new mothership for the project. Really, <laughs> Mepis is gone. So Annex developed. There's several more versions since since the last last Mepis. Well, the MX community was originally called the Mepis community, and they were they were the people that actually bought and paid for subscriptions to Mepis to for the support and all that stuff. And these guys really wanted their own distro. So uh, one of the leaders, uh, one of our our project manager, actually Jerry, uh, his login name's uh, Jerry thirty nine zero four, and uh, Anti got together and said, "Well, let's let's try to develop something together." And that came the first MX MX fourteen. At the time, we weren't even calling ourselves MX Linux at the time. We just needed a name and put it out there before Christmas, and it just kind of went from there. Um, so MX14 was the first edition, but it's actually based on Annex. Um, so we take the Annex build system and the live system, the live USB system, which is fantastic, the Annex live USB system. We've been thinking about putting a little logo on there. It says, uh, you know, the best little live USB on planet Earth. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Because it's awesome, and it's getting better um, all the time. But we take that, we take, we take their build system, their live system, and we smash it all together and spit out MX Linux. It's actually based on the Annex spin uh, called Core, uh, which is basically you get a t- command line terminal and that's it. If you saw my video the other, I just put up yesterday for uh, the console environment in Annex, that's basically what you get with Annex Core. I did see that. But we start with... So it's pretty plain Jane when we start. So MX isn't Annex. Well, it's kind of Annex. It's kind of Annex. The core bits of it are Annex. But all the software that the user sees, for the most part, outside the live system configurations is different. And we kind we share the installer and we share some, we share, they actually have some MX tools in Annex now that they've taken back. They just ripped the branding out of it. So at what point would I use, what would be my use case for MX versus Antix? What kind of okay. user would you like MX? Which kind of user would prefer Antix? Well, MX is actually, <clears throat> Annex uh, is more uh, more true to staying stable, okay? And I say stable in the Debian sense, Debian stable. Uh, Antix, they they, they, they try to push the envelope over there. Uh, they've got uh, usually their own kernels. They've got um, uh, things tooled towards, sometimes towards older machines, which was the original focus of the project, and it still is a major focus. Uh, MX doesn't care so much about the older machines. Yes, we'll run on a lot of older hardware, but not as much as what MX, as what Annex will run on. So if you're trying to re- rehabilitate a really old machine, uh, and by really old, I mean, I mean, I, honestly, I wouldn't run. I mean, I, we got people that do, but I wouldn't run MX on a Pentium Four. I mean, you could technically, right? Uh, I don't think you're going to have a very good experience, especially this he- stretch. The stretch base is heavier than the Wheezy, than the Jesse base, which was in turn heavier than the Wheezy base. It, it doesn't get lighter. It gets heavier. Annex tries to stay leaner. Annex, the 32-bit Annex ISO will still boot with a full desktop. And you're still running like 70 megabytes wow. of RAM. Okay. okay. 
uh, I actually have a, uh, so, so I use that on my really old stuff. I got one of those original EVPCs, mm-hmm. uh, little ones with the little nine inch screens, you know, the yeah. original books. I've got one of those. I can't run MX on that machine. It, it even the 32 bit MX. I can run MX 14 on it, which was kind of the original target for MX 14. That's one reason the bars on the vertical on the side, because it worked out better on the EPCs because they only had half size resolutions anyway, you know, right. the original ones. So Amix will run on that machine comfortably. So, uh, so that's what I use on that machine. And in fact, I, that's my, I still have that machine. It's like 12 years old or something now. I, I take it camping with me. So nice. if I watch a you know, I'm a Boy Scout leader, the kids go to bed, I watch a movie, put my headphones and watch a movie so I can't hear them staying up all night. <laughs> and, and, you know, that's the machine I take. It's rugged. It, it, you can drop it a few hundred times. It's not going to break. And Annex just runs like a dream on it. So that's the machine. That's if you got old hardware and we got a lot of guys on our system using old hardware, that's Annex. That's not necessarily MX. If you're trying to do something really neat. If you want to build something up from core, like your own, like a Mate spin, for instance, you right. can do that on core probably easier than you can do it on MX. Gotcha. Because there's a, they've got some uh, different things in their package installer. They've got their own hosted Mate packages, for instance. So the MX name, it came from? Well, it's Mepis and Annex. So it's the M for Mepis and the X from Annex. Got and it. We, you wouldn't believe how long we debated a name. Uh, <laughs> I would believe it. Would. I don't know. You name stuff. <laughs> yeah, I would believe it. So we eventually went with something simple. And that's why you get the little pyramids with the X behind them, because the, the pyramids came from the Mepis project and the X comes from romantics very cool nice all right so before we go any further with mx you know at some point in your history you were probably a i don't know dare i say it a windows user sure so at what point in history do you decide i'm going to try linux i'm going to run linux i'm a linux user okay so the first time i tried linux was 2006 or so Late 2006, my first distribution was Ubuntu 6, 6.10. I forget the code name for it. But that's back when, you know, you had to research your wireless card, you know, <laughs> make sure the drivers were available. Everyone seems to have haunted memories back then of wireless cards because everyone who talks about <laughs> Linux back then, that's the first thing they bring up, the wireless card. I hunted. Yep. I had this, this computer I started with was so old. It had a uh, floppy drive in the side of it, you know, and, and a, a CD bay, not even a DVD drive. This thing was, and it weighed like 20 pounds. It was just terrible. <laughs> well, and, 610, I just looked it up, was codenamed Edgy. Edgy, yes. Edgy Edge. Edgy. That's right. It's so edgy, edgy. you'll never have a wireless driver, apparently. Well, I we, we actually, me and a guy in the Annex in the in the in the Annex forums uh, figured out how to compile the Raylink drivers for Annex. It was because even it, with Ubuntu was too heavy, Zubuntu was too heavy. I don't think the other Ubuntu's were around yet. Maybe Kubuntu, but I don't remember. All the other ones weren't around. Ubuntu was still GNOME 2. Um, Zubuntu, I could actually type faster than than Abby Word would keep up with it. You know, I could type faster than the text would show up on the screen. <laughs> so some really nice people in the in the Ubuntu forums. There's some, you know, I assume I've been there forever, but I assume there's still good people in there. Uh, they we were setting up a Fluxbox. They introduced me to Fluxbox. And that I could keep up with. My machine didn't choke and it was fine. Well, then I started looking for Flux. Every time Ubuntu updated, I, and that was before the LTS stuff. I went looking for another Fluxbox distribution. I ended up in Slackware. You know, I was all over the map with this stuff. And I ended up in, with the Annex guys. And then we figured out how to comp- how to com- easily compile the Raylink drivers 
for Annex. And then we started recommending everybody in the Annex forms buy Raylink cards, even though the driver wasn't included in the kernel. We had this great, <laughs> had this great wiki, you know, for, for, for doing this. So I guess that was about the time that we decided we were going to be Annex, Linux users. <laughs> nice. I've, I've been on Annex, pre, Annex and then later MX ever since. So since probably full time since 2008. Well, uh, let me ask you this. So I- MX, first of all, I have an interesting history with MX because uh, very early on, because I'm a newer user of Linux and very early on the community of MX came into my channel and were telling me, you've got to try this. At this point, I was just beginning on Linux. So I did. I went and I made a video and you actually commented on it way back then. And so did Rocco before I really officially knew him. And I loved it. I absolutely loved it. Um, and we'll get into some of the things that I loved about it a little later. But one of the things that I've been thinking about now after playing with 17 is it's based on Debian, which is obviously a very stable platform. Um, one of the things I pushed is you were talking about MX being for newer hardware is a lot of the stuff I had seen up to a point was about Linux being on slower machines. You can Linux is great for this old machine. I wanted to put Linux on the fastest stuff you could get. Is when you have something like Ubuntu that has regular or faster release cycles, is there an advantage to that if you're trying to be on the latest, greatest hardware that MX wouldn't be able to execute on because it doesn't have the same release cycles? Okay, so here's something interesting. That, that's, and that's a great question. And actually, we were supposed to release MX17 Beta 2 this morning, uh-huh. uh, but we, at the last second, we're trying a new kernel. Sort of, kind of, to address what you're talking about, uh, we're, we're bumping up. I think beta one is a 4.9 kernel. We're moving up to a 4.13 kernel. Uh, it was a big hop, and anyway, something went haywire with the with the download. So it'll probably to be Monday before we release. But the uh, that is solely because we're trying to pick up some more of these AMD uh, chips. There's right. a better support in the 4.13, and even further on down the road. So how do how do we deal with that? Even though Ubuntu does release quite often. Uh, their LTS doesn't release very often at all. What is that? Every That's three years, right. four years. I mean, I don't know how often they update their kernel. Uh, it's been, a, it's been a while since I ran Ubuntu. Uh, but uh, we address this a little bit with our test repo and our test repo is not Debian testing. Okay. And mm-hmm. we, I, yeah, I was like, ah, I wish we had named this thing something else, but <laughs> we didn't. So our test repo addresses some of this. We have newer LaCorex kernels in the test repo we have newer Xorg stacks. We have newer, all sorts of things that we don't want on the stable, but that if you're coming to it from a, with newer hardware, we'll boot on your machine, almost certainly. But this is, these the later packages may help you get the performance you're looking for that way. No. Also, one of the things we did is we've tied in our NVIDIA installer into Debian backports, which isn't as easy as it sounds because they Debian backports is a little weird uh, with how they set up the re- – you can't just enable the repo and, and go to town. You have to really particularly get what you want. At any rate, they are, they're starting to bring in – they haven't in the past, but they're starting to bring in later NVIDIA drivers uh, into, into Debian backports. So DDM – uh, MX will let you choose which one you want, the one from the stable Debian repo or the one from the Debian backwards. Or actually, if there happens to be a later one in our repo, it'll, it, that'll show up too. Nice. So we're not, we use Debian stable as the starting point. We've also got some Annex stuff, which tends to be a little uh, further along. And then we've got our own MX repo that's got all kinds of new things. Like one of the things they brought in the uh, package 
package man in the test repo uh, last week, this week is uh, a version of KDN 17, which I think uh, Caden Live 17, which I think it's 16 something and Debian stable right now. So we try. We, we're, we're users. We built something we want to use. We're, we're not interested in, you know, running on every piece of hardware on the planet. I mean, like the ARM architectures. A lot of people sure. want to spread out and put it on everything. Oh, I want to run MX on my calculator. Well, not, <laughs> I don't care about calculator. Okay, that's awesome. Use something else for that. All right. Well, how big, how big is the MX team and how much do you rely on community support to help? Okay, so the MX, the core MX uh, development team, there's three of us, there's three of us kind of driving the boat a little bit, but then there's also, we got a package team, an art team, a, uh, a forum moderator team, uh, plus the Annex guys chip in, uh, and I, I count myself as an Annex guy because I, I, I'm heavy on the beta testing for Annex, but the, uh, so there's 20-ish on our team right now, full-time, including packagers and repo guys and art people and all that. We, we, we were blessed this time to have some folks uh, want to contribute art. So most of the art, actually all the artwork uh, in 17 is, is, has been user contributed. Um, so I'm really happy about that. We really didn't have to. You know what I should contribute, uh -huh. Rocco, is that wallpaper I just uh, made. Right. No, don't contribute that wallpaper. <laughs> <Don't> contribute. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So what do you see as the biggest need that you, that you need from the community as far as support? I mean, do you need okay. translations or what do you need? Well, translations are always huge. And right now we were, we, right now we're work, we're, we're starting to get a new focus on better localization. Uh, hopefully in, in 17 beta two, like the Thunar custom actions have always been a weak spot because our actions have never been translated. We're, we're starting to do that. We've got French done. I, I, we're getting the others. Uh, or we usually we we try to package about twelve languages uh, localized for the for the OS itself. So that's always a, a kicker. And I, I I recommend people drop in our forum, see old Giza in the translation. Uh, I think we got a translation sub forum, and he's also on TransFX. We got all our stuff up there. So uh, that's always a big one. Uh, the other big one's packaging. We're actually looking for for packagers right now. Uh, in in the last year, we've lost two to various for various reasons, uh, uh, not necessarily related to any falling out or anything. They just, they just, for whatever reason, can't continue as routine packagers. Uh, we've got three main packagers right now. And that's, I mean, you wouldn't believe how much we got one guy, Steve-O and he's active on the Debian forums. You wouldn't believe how much this guy packages for our, for our repos. It's just amazing. He's got multiple machines running all the time packaging stuff. Wow. So packaging is a big one and we're looking to replace a couple of members. We really need really probably two more to be comfortable. Um, uh, and then we're also looking for help uh, in the future to add uh, Lux encryption to the installer. Um, we don't have that right now. I was hoping to get that in 17, but it's it, it just didn't come together for us this time. So we'll have to add that in the future. We have home folder encryption, but uh, but but not the other. So that's kind of the big things right now. But uh, the the MX manual is being translated. That thing's 175 pages. So. Yeah to get that into multiple languages. And right now the 16 manual is the only one fully translated. It's in French. Um, you know, so translations is huge, especially a project our size. Uh, we're, you know, we're, I don't know if you call us midsize or small size, but uh, that's always huge for us. And I'm always giving big shout outs to our translators because that's a hard job. I only speak one language, so nobody <laughs> wants me translating. Anything. Right. So you talked about the package installer on MX, and I think it's fantastic. It's oh, getting into the features. It's very well done. 
there's an option for stable in MX test repos to search for various software. One of my questions was, how long does a package stay in your testing platform before it gets moved to stable? Okay, so so the test repo, packages tend to stay in there until we get feedback that they're run, people are running them and they're okay. Um, I personally don't run with my, t- you can run the test repo enabled all the time. And there are a few people that do that. And you do an at regular upgrade and they are a little, if you enable it in like the, the synaptic sources or whatever, and you do an update, it will pull everything from the test repo. I don't, I don't personally do that I, because I'm, I mean, I'm a user. I like my, once it's running on my machine, I want it and it's good. I try not to break it anymore. <laughs> that said, things stay in there. I've seen things stay in there a week. I've seen things stay in there a year. Okay. So it's a very, very much a revolving door. Yeah. It just, it depends if people are using them. Like if I, uh, once I get around to installing Kaden, Kaden live 17, if it runs pretty well and doesn't crash for me all the time, he'll probably move it over for me. Uh, we've done that with simple screen recorder, OBS studio. I don't know. There's, there's, a, there's a bunch. There's a lot of stuff. Moving. We just moved VirtualBox 5.30 over. Let, let me back up. 5.2.30 over last night. So uh, we actually needed we had, we needed it for the for the 4.13 kernel. So um, so you know that's you know that stuff that moved out of testing repo after about a week and a half. So, well, you mentioned something very interesting. Uh, if we could touch on the one of the things I noticed is if I'm searching for a package and it's not available in the stable, I have to click over and then, you know, tell it, okay, I will go ahead and load the packages for mm-hmm. um, the test. But you said there's a way to sync it so it pulls both. Is yes. that a checkbox in there? Or do you well, have to it's not in an MX package installer. Okay. Um, it, it would be the regular repo sources. You could either edit the file directly in. SC sources, I forget the whole name, but SE app sources D, whatever it is, the, the regular list file location. Uh, you can do it in Synaptic Easy, just click a checkbox. Gotcha. Uh, but if you do that, then everything it, it's going to do everything in, in the Debian world, when those repos are enabled, everything becomes the that's the default. It's going to pull the latest from whatever all those are located unless you change some other settings, um, which can be hazardous to your health. I love Dev Multimedia, the Dev Multimedia repo. We actually pull some stuff from them. They're great. Uh, but with our own backport repo and Debian backports repo, and the further you get away from Debian stable, the, the, the actual core Debian stable stuff, <laughs> the more haywire things can get when you do a disk upgrade with everything enabled. Gotcha. That was the whole idea behind the original uh, MX package installer. Actually, let me back up. The original MX test repo installer and the De- MX Debian backports installer, which is probably before Ryan's time with MX. Those tools were designed for to, one, one to, so that people actually tried stuff from our test repo. We we're trying to get more people to use stuff from the test repo. Yep. And also to give people an easy way to get stuff out of Debian backports. It started with people wanting later editions of LibreOffice. I don't know why. Word processing doesn't change that often, but <laughs> people wanted more. They more want the updated. ribbon, dude. They want the ribbon. <laughs> hey, all I know. Well, maybe, maybe. all I know is when the when the guy is writing the MX manual, say, "Hey, I need." The later version of LibreOffice, we try to accommodate them because that thing is gigantic. But the so so th- those two tools allowed you to easily pull. They don't actually enable the repos until you choose to install something. So you don't have to futz around with people were enabling the test repo, installing test packages, and disabling the test repo, and then doing another app get upgrade update to to make sure they don't pull updates from the wrong place. That was a big hassle. So if you do this with the MX package installer with either the test repo option or the stable repo or the the other three options, 
those stables actually using the repos, but the other two, test, re test repo and Debian backports, don't actually uh, enable any repos until you check a box and click install. Then it does it. And that way, and then it automatically disables it again when you're done. That way mm -hmm. people don't hose their system installing test packages. <clears throat> well, I, the software stores that different distributions have is an area of weakness right now that you guys don't have, which is amazing. Uh, Ubuntu, for instance, software store is 17.10. And a lot of people have mentioned this. It's just, it's, it's broken. There's, it, it ultimately it works, I guess, but there's so much broken. And I, I always try to think, from a new user. If I'm going in there, typing in software, it's there. I click it. I click install. I don't know terminal yet. I'm still deciding if I'm going to boot back into Windows and that thing doesn't work or starts no. spitting out a bunch of errors or the search doesn't, you know, you have to search 50 times. That's going to make me turned off from Linux. Whereas the MX package installer, everything I clicked on that was there and available worked. It installed there were no errors popping up. There were no issues. There was no searching for something. And then if you just, you know, the search pattern was very well done on it as well. Whereas like an Ubuntu software center, you could search for a package name like Telegram. But if you don't put, if you put T-E-L-E, it'll show up. If you add the gram part, it's not there. Like there's yeah. just weird things that, that were going on that you guys have kept very stable. And I think that's super important. Well, the spiritual successor or the grandfather, I guess, of the MX package installer is an app called Meta Package Installer. It was, Andix has used it for years, but I think it came from the Seduction Project originally. I'm not, don't quote me on that. Well, I just quoted myself. Anyway, <laughs> I don't know where the thing came from. It came from Seduction. It came from somewhere. <laughs> and the, uh, the, the, the Meta Package Installer only had like what's on our popular apps pad right now. And it had a lot of it had a lot of cool tricks and everything. Mm -hmm. It was very very finicky, and we tried to use it originally in MX fourteen, and it just wasn't. It, it just it, you just wanted to strangle it. It was very very <laughs> finicky. The the, the 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 there's there's little files. Each one of those packages in MX package installer on the popular apps tab has a definition file, and those the definition files under the old system. Were, I mean, if you had an extra space in them, it would break. You know, and it was just it was a nightmare to maintain. Yeah. So the popular our po so we so Adrian one of our one of our core developers he rewrote the thing and it's I think it's much and he's been able to add on to it now we have the the new full catalog tab and everything and that's really becoming a really great place to install the stall applications but it has tricks other places don't have like not everything in that thing comes from a repo uh, Google Chrome <laughs> comes directly from Google um, Team Viewer comes from the Team Viewer guys uh, there's a, there's a handful of other I, Adobe Reader nine which I forget why we have Adobe Reader 9. In there. <laughs> so what does it do oh, in the background? Someone needed to fill out tax forms. Someone <laughs> needed to fill out tax forms. So and the only thing that would open them was Adobe Reader. There so you go. We put it in there. You know, people ask us stuff. We throw it in. I don't, we don't care. But that comes from dead multimedia. Like I said, those guys are cool. They package the thing. We, we put it in. Um, so those things all come from various locations. And the, the definition files, we recently rewrote it in, XM, in a, I call it pseudo XML. I think it may actually be XML, but I'm, I'm not very schooled in those such things. But so, and now everything's tag and code base, tag base. So now we can have it run a script. We can enable a repo. We can pull in 20 packages that are totally unrelated if we want to. 
Ryan, you could make a file that said, this is Ryan's computer and it would list all the packages you normally install and you check a box and go, and there you go. It would oh, put it in nice. there. I may or may not have one for myself. You may or may not have one. Hmm. <laughs> no, I'm just saying there's like six or seven apps I install every time. They, they yes. may, Sometimes you just go through and check all the boxes, you know? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, but does it, so, does it now so we download make that easy for people to do? Does it now download? You said it, if it installs Chrome, it'll get it from Google. Does that download a dev file and then extract it behind the scenes or how's it work? Okay. In Chrome's case, I think we're enabling the Chrome Debian repository and then installing, I, I forget exactly how it works because Chrome and a few of the others uh, changed, but in, in 16 Dropbox, Download we down, the the Debian package for Dropbox was broken, so we switched it in MX Package Installer to pull directly from Debian and then the de- the, the uh, from Dropbox and then the Dropbox installer actually adds the repo it needs for future updates late, during its process. So that's how we did it with Dropbox. And we originally did that with Google Chrome, but I think now we're enabling the Google Chrome repo um, on a temporary basis because the Chrome installer actually adds the repo itself as well. So. Mm-hmm. It, it's complicated, but it's, that's the tricks this thing has. That you can you can pull. Yeah, this is actually one of the first apps I worked on for MX because I, I wrote the I wrote did a lot of the definition files, porting them over from Annex for the original Meta Package installer. So I, I kind of it's kind of those things are kind of my baby. I didn't write the app, but I wrote all the definition files. Nice. And uh, and there's a lot of them now. <laughs> Just as soon not have to do it again. Yeah, I hear you. But uh, so yeah, it's got lots of tricks. You can pull from different repos. You can pull from directly from from, from people that are doing non-free stuff. Like SlimJet's in there. You can't. There's SlimJet's in nobody's repo. I, I don't know what Arch is doing. It's not any Debian repo. Yeah. Uh, well, we talked earlier about you know antics being able to be run on older systems, and there's news came out that you know this is the last one for arch you know back in the earlier in the year actually uh when we did the that previous episode there was saying hey you got about six months or so to you know use the 32-bit so 32 bits are obviously going away so do have you seen an uptick in usage of mx or antics because of the fact that so many other ones don't support it anymore I don't know about an uptick in usage, but I've seen an uptick in comments about it and mostly thank yous for keeping the 32-bit available. Uh, I, I suspect we'll keep a 32-bit available for as long as Debian does, and Debian's probably likely to keep 32-bit going longer than anybody on the planet. I mean, look at the architectures they support. I mean, they really thought long and hard about dropping 586 this year. Mm-hmm. So we'll probably keep it for a while. Um <clears throat> For us, it's, as long as the Debian packages are there and we can package them for the repo, it's not that big a deal to keep the thing going. Uh, it's not a huge job in resources, but we use the Debian repo for a backend. I can see where if if I can see where people, if they didn't want to mess with 64-bit, they'd be inclined to drop it. Or if their user base wasn't using 32-bit, why waste the resources? Ours right. is. That's all I can tell you. And oddly enough, uh, overseas teams tends to be a bigger 32-bit user than here in the United States. Hmm. Very interesting. So, you know, the greatest desktop environment ever made, and Rocco agrees with this, is XFCE. Well, it's it's pretty awesome. The the gnome gnome agrees. We don't want to we don't want to deal with absolutes, but XFCE is the greatest. Right. So, what made you guys decide to go with XFCE with MX, though? Okay. On a serious note, this was actually a really contentious point at the time. Um, it's less contentious now. Emepis was based on KDE. 
And a lot of people in the KDE for, in the Memphis forums wanted to keep going with the K, wanted us to develop a KDE distro. Now, I don't really know why uh, we didn't go with KDE, except that I know that one of the original use cases for MX was to run on one of those old netbooks, those uh, old EEP nine-inch screen netbooks. KDE, no way. KDE at the time, yeah, they had a netbook edition or whatever, but it was it was once you moved to four, it was too heavy. It was too heavy for those notebooks. XFC was a nice middle ground between uh, Antics and you know, which doesn't use a desktop environment. It's got a it's 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 kind of sort of got its own hodgepodge desktop environment. Actually, three or four actually, but. So, so MX went, we went with XFCE because the developers from Antics, myself included, I've done some videos on building an, an XFCE distro from scratch using Antics Core. We had experience with XFCE. A lot of us tried XFCE and then dropped back to, to, to the window managers. So we were more comfortable with that. As to why we didn't stick with a KDE desktop, uh, who knows? I, I, I joined the MX project after the decision was made, but uh, I think it was a good one. Yeah. And, 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 our snapshot technology, uh, the Antics snapshot stuff that we incorporate in MX snapshot, we have a KDE spin. If you want to run K- – now, it's Debian, but the spin hasn't been redone yet. But MX16 use K- is still a KDE 4 spin. I mean, you know, there's just no interest in a KDE 4 spin. Debian's moves too slow for KDE. KDE development is fast. Right. Well, XFC can look at times – it can look plain just core XFCE, but your guys theming on top of XFCE is brilliantly done. Well, our art folks will thank you for that. We've had a new art director since Annex 16, and I think uh-huh. she's done a fantastic job, Asquerth, from our forums. Um, she's done a great job. Uh, actually, it, it, it's strange. I don't know how many women are involved with Linux, but we have at least three women I know on our core development team. Uh, That's uh, awesome. Asquerth, our art director, um, uh, uh, Peregrine is our webmaster server guru that she knows more about Drupal than anybody alive, I think. <laughs> and uh, Rose is one of our forum moderators. So mm. we, we've got a, a, a nice, a nice group, but Asquerth has been key in getting our theming under control. Um, and I think she's done a great job. And I think 17 is even better than 16. We took well, a major drumming for 14. We deserve it. Too. I go back and look at 14 now and I'm like, good God, why did anybody <laughs> use us? We look <laughs> Well, Holy six, cow. Did, you, did you guys notice that in 16 is when MX really came on the map? It seems during that time, everybody was doing a review and loving MX. Yeah. So, so we're a little sneaky by, 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 by releasing right around Christmas time, usually. Yeah. And, and so people are home They're They're, you know, everybody in the world takes a holiday and they go online They look at distro watch. Oh, there's something new. <laughs> Click on that. <laughs> and, uh, 16 was the first time we were listed separately on DistroWatch. Uh, we were a, technically a spin of Antics, but we've kind of gotten bigger than that. And so um, we went the long route. You know, with DistroWatch, I think if you buy an ad or something, they'll move you up the list a little faster and, and everything. We took that two-year route, you know. <laughs> yeah. It was free. <laughs> the homegrown route. <laughs> and then finally, they actually emailed us and said, you know, you guys are – updating like crazy you want to do your you want to yeah yes please put us on there and uh then it was you know we started at 100 actually we started at 138 and uh we you know it shot up real fast in just a couple of months and now we're what 22 i haven't looked this morning but you guys are usually always in the top 30 i mean we're in heavy we're in nice company right now i'm i'm comfortable with the people that are around us on that list linux light puppy i mean for mx linux light and uh 
and uh, you know some of those distributions are very natural people to be. Zubuntu we're real close mm-hmm. with, uh, yep. and uh, and then Antics is up there with Puppy and and some of the the the, the window manager type distro. It's actually very high. Antics is in the top twenty now, so you know we're pretty happy about that. But yeah, sixteen is when it all took off like a rocket. Sixteen is when everybody was like what do we call you guys? MX15, MX16? And then we was like, you know, we better make a name. So we went and registered MX Linux. So <laughs> well, one thing that uh, Ryan hasn't stopped talking about is the installer for MX. Oh my gosh, you guys, you guys, <laughs> if there was one thing I could tell you, tell you that you absolutely destroy all your competition against every distro I've used, you have the best installer, period. Nobody does it better. And I'm going to tell you this from a new user's uh, standpoint, why you have the best installer. (laughs) There were so many times when I was first starting out in Linux that I would destroy my computer's hard drive for one simple reason. I didn't understand at that moment the fundamentals of a bootloader and how it was affecting my machine. You're the only distro that waits till the end that makes it clear as a separate a portion of setting up your hard drive, where do you want to install your bootloader? And it is something simple that I don't even know if you guys recognize makes such a difference. But as a new user, that that changed everything because I was like, oh, I no, don't overwrite the bootloader this time. Don't screw up every all the other hard drives I have. And that was an option that was clear. Now, people who are experienced like now in Linux, yeah, I can I can understand and read through the Greek of other installers and get it removed or move the bootloader somewhere else. But you guys were the ones who did it right for a new person. It's so well done. Well, thank you. I, that's great to hear. Actually, uh, we owe, uh, it is a direct descendant of the Mepis installer. Uh, Antics started it and then we branched, the MX installers actually branched off of the Antics installer and now it's, now they're now they go back and forth so much, it's hard to tell which one's <laughs> ahead. Uh, the Annex installer actually has slightly different options than the MX version. We have the encrypted home folders. Uh, Annex has something with the key with something with the keyboard so that it'll it'll make sure your keyboard's set right before you type your password so that it's right when you come around to the login screen. Yeah. Uh, so so thank you. I'm glad to hear that. Uh, the, the installer was one of the things I liked about Annex when I when I first started, and I'm really glad we've kept it. I, I, I kind of sort of sorely want to rewrite the innards on the inside of it because it's it's getting it's aging a little bit. But, uh, you know, I can install MX in 10 minutes. Right. And it's with the package simple. installer, I can have all my apps downloaded installed in under half an hour. Yeah. I'm still booting the boot media for Windows. <laughs> well, I'm looking for a registry or a key. You mentioned yeah. the installer being one of the MX tools, and the MX tools are part of what sets MX apart. Yeah, uh, a making tools specifically for people who may don't may not understand exactly what to do in a certain given situation. So let's talk about the tools for MX. What do you okay. have that's different than anybody else? Well, we talked about the package installer. It's mm-hmm. different. Um, on on MX seventeen, you're going to see an MX tools menu right on the whisker menu, so that. Um, you, you, it's a, you know, I want those right up in front of people so they can see them. This is, this is one of the core, this is the core reason why to use us versus doing a stock Debian install is you want these tools. So, so what do we have in there? We have the live USB maker, which 
is actually an annex tool, but we have a GUI wrapped around, wrapped around. It's actually, it's actually a command line tool that's amazingly powerful. Uh, but we make a nice simple version, like all the MX tools. We try to do something simple on the desktop. Mm-hmm. Um, this lets you choose where your ISO, choose where to put it. What now and now we also have a, it's got a DD mode in it now. So if you and now it'll make not only our USBs, it'll make everybody's USBs. Uh, if you want, you, if you do the DD thing. Because uh, UNet booting is getting a little unreliable, depending on. Oh yeah, on it, what it is. I could only use Etcher at this point. Etcher is the only one that works. Okay, so time. Etcher does things more or less the same way DD does. So it, it's mm-hmm. it's the same idea. Uh, I looked to put Etcher on here, but it uh, it works. It works fine. I just it has some. I have to always have to go in the advanced mode and do things instead of the regular <laughs> plane. So, um, so we've got a we've got a boot repair, and a lot of people I think it now supports. Uh, we didn't use the support fixing uh, uh what you call it uefi boots mm-hmm. i think we do now um i don't know we just got a lot of stuff we got a little conky editor in here now if you don't let the yeah. colors on the conky that runs up you just fire that sucker up and say hey change that color okay. i was wondering if one of you are big t-mobile fans with that conky color by default in seven. <laughs> i don't know that the, the, it's gonna be different on it 17. looks good don't get me wrong but it, it, it just reminded me of that uh magenta i think they call it over there yeah it's definitely purple That's but you sure. also have a driver installer as well for nvidia yeah, drivers but, yeah have the nvidia installer now it's just nvidia it used to be uh also the amd the old amd drivers but now everything's incorporated open source so we don't we don't fool we fool with that uh we've got an iDevice mounter now for mounting iphones yes oh <laughs> thank you gosh i don't know what ver- i'm not the one where i'm not on the team working on it but I know we've had success with iPhone sixes. I don't know about later than that. It works great with seven. Oh, it super yeah, high. it works fantastic with the seven, the seven plus. Live, live feedback, I love it. Finally, somebody has tackled this. Uh, I, I know a lot of people in the Linux community use Android, and you guys, if you've listened to me for more than five minutes, you know how I feel about Android not really representing Linux like we expect. But in any case, uh, a lot of people have iPhones out there too. And a lot of distros do terrible job. And to the point where I just wrote my own bash script that I take with me to any distro to mount my phones because it's so annoying to deal with. You guys, I didn't have to do that with. I clicked a little button. It mounted my phone. I could get to my pictures. I could get to the files. Very well done. Yeah, we, we were we were thrilled to bring that app in. Uh, it was a late minute addition to for, for the beta. And... Uh, uh, I mean, it just, it, it just, it works. It works really well. I, there was a, do we want to change the GUI? I said, no, I want to leave it like it is. I don't want to break anything. Uh, it's, it's working fairly well. Yeah. Uh, so that's great. I'm glad someone's tried it with seven. That's awesome. Uh, when you get your gold plated, uh, you know, platinum <laughs> iPhone. That's what Rocco's sending me for Christmas. I cannot well, wait to get it. Brand new. That's it. Okay. <laughs> Apple needs the money. So help them out. A yeah. Rocco, they're only about to hit a trillion dollar valuation. <laughs> A uh, couple other new things this go around. We've got the tweak tool, the MX tweak, mm-hmm. uh, which is actually, it's, it's MX default look from 16. We just renamed it because people weren't clicking on it. So we, we called it tweak. So people like clicking on things called tweak. So we, <laughs> we, we, we click the tweak. And uh, so it has a lot of the same features. Like if you go to the other tab, like a lot of the reviewers online, if you look, if you go online and look when they review, they see the theme, they see the panel, they get to the comp- compositor settings. They don't go to that one more pet tab. If you go one more tab, you're going to see things that turn off like double click on the desktop, double click, you know, make, make double click work instead of single click. Um, things one of like the that. first settings I change. Yeah, everywhere. me too. That's why I'm there. Yeah. Right, Ryan? Uh, <laughs> Not me. I'm, I'm the rare one, apparently. Use like single click. You know, 
I didn't mind it until I started fooling around with all the MX packages for this build phase. And it was like, every time I needed to select 18 files, I was like, Oh, I got to hover and slow, slow. <laughs> and now I just, you know, click, 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 fun, done. Nice. Uh, and, but one of the things we added was a, was a little switch to make it possible so that a regular user can mount your internal drives. Because yep. in Debian world, you have to put in a root password. We just took that, you know, you can check a box and put that away. You got to have root permission to do it. You can't just do it if, you know, you know. So, you're so that's an interesting thing you guys do. I want to talk about is your root permission system. So, I, and I've not seen another distro do it that I can think of where you kind of give the option of at a certain point within the GUI, it'll be like, do you want to keep root on throughout the session? And you could click yes and basically... And, and what I like is you guys continue to warn people still. Every time you're doing something with root, it's like, hey, just a reminder, you still have you're active still, root without yeah. password required in this you session. Still have power, yeah. What, what were your thoughts when you guys decided to implement that? Because I'm sure people were, some people were like, oh, that's a huge security risk or blah, blah, blah. But so, obviously, so, it's a convenience. Yeah, it's a convenience. I mean, it's the desktop operating system. I'm not aware if you, if, uh, trust me. From a security standpoint, if I have physical access to your hardware, a root password is not going to stop me. Right. I'll probably whip out my Annex Live seat, Live USB and just go around your operating system anyway. Um, Interesting. <laughs> hey. Don't let him near your computer, right? Yeah. Don't let me near your system. I'm telling you. No, you're, I'm a, you're not no coming hacker. over for Christmas. Civil engineer for crying out loud. I'm no hacker. So, uh, unless you talk about breaking concrete. So, <laughs> Yeah. I actually uh, was in the camp that wanted it to put in your password every time, but I lost. Um, the Interesting. Mostly it was people who don't want to have to put the password in every time. Okay. Right. Every yep. time. Uh, sudo, if you do a sudo, if you go to the, use the sudo system, uh, it doesn't ask every time. It, it, it stays, I don't right. know, I think, I think it's like 10 minutes or something by default. Uh, so the root, the, the root setup here is supposed to be a, a similar kind of deal. I don't know that it ever times out. I haven't figured that out yet. Uh, sometimes I have to put in the password later on during the day, and sometimes it's still active. So I don't, yeah. don't really know how it times out. But like I said, we still have the warning. That's actually built into GKSU, and uh, you can disable it. There's a checkbox to disable it. And one of the guy, Adrian, he's always looking at my videos, and, he's, he, and he's, he sees me. I always have the menu pop up, and he says, uh, so that makes me cringe every time I don't see you check that box. I'm like, I want to know. I want, I want to. Know I don't. I don't uncheck it either. I, I want to know I'm still in root. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so anyway, that's why the root system set up the way it is. And as far as I know, right now it's Debian's. Debian works the same way, except Debian's configured, I think, now to use sudo uh, for everything instead of Antics is too. Antics uses sudo, but we're a little old school over at MX, so we we stick with the root. <laughs> gotcha. Well, with your YouTube channel. You're one of the few distributions that actually put up videos talking about your distribution. Uh, but some of the videos you've put up lately are for Antics and yes. Antics 17, some of the features. And you had mentioned the CLI tools on there. I was watching the latest video, and some of them are pretty darn awesome. Oh, yeah. We don't, Annex doesn't like to forget anything. I mean, we're like, the, the Annex crew is like the, the, the bastion for forgotten hardware, okay? <laughs> if you've got something, until 17, I think we were able, even still support, what was it, the uh, the Open Mirage driver, which nobody had in, in Debbie and Jesse. We still had that, the S3 uh, drivers. We try to make, we want, again, the Annex guys have a, have a goal. They want as many machines as possible to be able to run Linux. Sometimes that means you need to want a full GUI. Sometimes it means you don't. 
And um, we actually, our lead, one of the lead developers over there, and actually the guy behind the remastered live system and snapshot, which are, I mean, pretty core tools to the Annex and MX experiences in the live USB maker, basically anything having to do with the boot and the knit systems. He told me he never boots into X. He never boots into the desktop. He just, he goes right to the command line. And actually yeah. MX, I got to fix, I forgot. I got to fix something in MX because it, it, his, his cheat doesn't work to get to the command line. Uh, <laughs> so he does, he, he, that's where, that's where he lives. So a lot of those tools he uses. Now, what's really cool about a lot of the tools in this Antic CLI uh, setup, control center, and that's all new for Antic 17. Someone asked me the other day if they can get that on MX 16. I don't think so. I, I think it's pretty particular. A lot of those tools are actually the same apps that run from the GUI. It's just, it knows, it knows whether it's in a console or in the GUI. And then it, it gives you the it gives you the messages in the appropriate place, uh, like the sound card chooser. It'll either put it it'll either put it on the screen and you hit a number to do it, or it'll flip over and give you a YAD dialog, a GTK dialog with a combo box, and you can choose it from there. We want this stuff to be easy. I'm going to take that little EPC that I use all the time. It's going to get an Annex install on it, and it's going to go back to being my media player. Uh, and I actually had it set up before that I could control it from my phone. And I just I set a plug of speakers into it, set it in the back of the room, put it on the Wi-Fi network, and then I'm driving, you know, I drive it from my phone. So I don't need the GUI. The GUI doesn't give me anything. So put the console on there. I'm eating 70 megs of RAM. I actually, I think I was, what, 23 megs of RAM with the console-only <laughs> environment? I mean, wow. I mean, that's why you do it. Yeah. That's why you do it. So it, it, it's, it's, it's nice. It, it, we don't want to forget about that console. Bar. And the funny thing is a lot of the tools that were in there have been there for years. We're just really highlighting them this time around uh, because, you know, they, they now have menu preference presences and everything. Uh, it, it's, it's a, it, 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 we try not to forget anything that uh, will forget hardware anyway. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, if someone else has abandoned it, Annex is probably trying to incorporate it somehow. There's your tagline right there. Yeah. We're, 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 <laughs> we're, we're, we never give anything up. <laughs> So, you know, we talked about MX a lot. We've talked about all the things that I love about MX, all the things you've done from the unique apps, the installers, all of that. Let's take it broader scope, higher level to Linux overall. You've seen changes in Linux. What are the things that you've seen that you're most excited about going on right now and Linux as a whole? So change in Linux. Well, one thing is that people are actually seem to be using it. Um, there you go. <laughs> I guess that's, that's always a plus, thing. right? <laughs> you know. We've seen, we've got a, I mean, our own data, we've got a nice steady increase in, in, in form registration. That's maybe not indicative, but you see, I don't know. It just seems like more and more people are using it. More people. I know if I put it on a USB stick, uh, yeah, I use one of these guys here. If I put MX or Annex on one of these USB sticks, particularly MX, because it looks a little nicer out of the box. Is that a Debian logoed USB stick? This is not. This is just a PNY. I don't want to advertise for anybody, but... (laughs) He does have a Debian logo not. shirt on. That is yeah, true. Yeah, it is a Debian logo shirt. <laughs> and we talked about that earlier. I'm pretty jealous of that. Yeah. So so I can run the, I can run this on on a on a, run a Linux on on this on anybody's computer, and they're generally pretty happy with what they see, and they don't have any problems using it. Now you can say what you want about counting Chrome OS as Linux. I'm counting Chrome OS as Linux. If you've ever taken that thing apart and and gone down to the shell. You know it's Linux. It's Linux underneath. It's just instead of running KDE or or GNOME or anything like that, it's running Chrome. It's running Chrome browser as its as its desktop. Mm-hmm. That is huge because people are now open to the fact that they don't have to use Windows. Yeah. You know, uh, 
you know, some people are going to have to use windows. Yes. There there's just, I have to in my daily work because AutoCAD doesn't run on Linux. That's fine. I, that's, that's, I don't work there. I don't own the computer. I'll use whatever they give me, but uh, people are using it and they don't seem afraid of it anymore. Part of that's the nice GUI environments we have now. Uh, yes. they don't ha- I mean, I use the terminal a lot. I'm guessing a lot of people don't have to at all. I've actually seen comments on my channel that, oh, use MX. You don't need the GUI, the terminal. I'm like, you don't? Okay. I, <laughs> yeah. it, okay. That's awesome. So a lot of people are doing that. Um, I don't know. It's just friendlier. Uh, we're getting drivers faster. Games are coming out for it. Uh, I can't tell you the last time I booted into Windows to play a, play a game. I Isn't that awesome? It I know. really it's refreshing. Great. So uh, I really try. In fact, what's great is my kid's computer has windows on it and we, we play a game together uh, called RoboCraft and nice. it's just this dumb mech warrior looking game. That's why, yeah. I like it. but you build your little men with blocks and whatever and robots and stomping uh-huh. things. I can run the little version on Linux. He's running windows upstairs. We're all happy and we're all, you know, shooting people. That's what's great. That's genius. I think the uh, biggest thing you touched on was that it's, that it's opening people's minds to Linux, whether yeah. it be Chrome OS or what it's opening people's minds to something other than windows. And I think that's the biggest yeah. thing. Well, yeah. we got to keep away is the crazy people. Yeah. 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 You guys watch, you know who you are. Yep. Crazy people out of my forum. So stop it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you're saying it. And I'm not the only one. I'm probably going to get something large and heavy thrown at me. Yeah. Later. yeah. You know, the, the, the whole thing has always been support, support, support. But you ever try to get Windows support? You know, Windows, getting Windows support as a private individual is not the greatest experience either. Well, look, I talk about that all the time. You know, I, I've watched a lot of Twitch streaming, gaming, that type of stuff. Most of those folks, the top ones, utilize a Windows system to play the latest games. Sure. But every time they crash, what cracks me up, they'll crash live on stream. They'll have all these issues and errors and rebooting. Nobody ever goes, Windows is a piece of crap. Ever. Oh, yeah. Nobody ever blames Windows. But the second something happens on Linux, it's like, oh, my gosh, Linux is so unstable. <laughs> oh, I know. It's terrible. It only runs the internet. No. It's just it, it's interesting mindset change, you know, Thanks that I think is starting to occur little by little. So I'm pretty psyched to hear you're a gamer, though, dude. Well, I'm a light gamer. I you're- mean... <laughs> I heard you mention in a, in your in maybe I think it was your last podcast you talked about growing up playing Mech Warrior Two. Yeah, man. I still play Mech Warrior Two. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Check out my video on Mech Warrior Two. I, I run, will. I, I run it. I can't remember if I was using MX or Annex, but I ran put DOSBox on that thing. And there's nothing like turning your your you know your nineteen you know your your, your year two thousand computer into a into a something from nineteen eighty nine. I mean, what a genius game being able, you had the overheating problem, you had to turn off your systems to hide, but if you had your systems turned off and that person saw you, you're done. Yeah, you're yeah, you're just sitting there getting pounded. Yes, yeah, so you had to. You everything was about strategy and hitting them at the right time. And yeah. oh, they really need to bring it, that. It game was brilliant. That game was brilliant, and it and it, it, it some of the history, the development history behind that game is really interesting because they almost canceled it. No, because computers didn't have enough power to draw them to draw the robots. They couldn't put more than wow. one robot on the screen. And, and some guy figured out, you know, I don't know, I'm, I'm some mathematician figured out something uh, fractal, something or other. And, uh, and all of a sudden they could use it and they could, they could do it just because some guy figured out the math. Very the cool. And they could, they the, made the game actually possible. It, it's, it's pretty cool. It's really neat. Um, I think the same guy that did, I oh, never mind. I'm getting off topic, but so, so when I stand a gamer, I have played games. I play, I still play games. I don't yeah. play the latest and greatest. Cause I just, 
my kids are always asking me to play more games and with them. And, and I, I, I just don't. <laughs> well, there's a time issue too. So yeah. Exactly. Well, yeah. You know, so do you do tweaks to MX to improve the gaming area of people using MX or what? Okay. So I have heard certain YouTubers mention that they have a very good gaming experience on MX for, for a desktop, the, the size we are, as much stuff as we pack in our RAM uses is actually fairly light. Um, I mean, Annex is obviously lighter, but it doesn't have the, because of its certain aspects with no note without having system D you actually can't install system D on Annex on, on accident. You have to do it. You have to deliberately do something. Uh, on MX, we're a little more agnostic. So more things just work out of the box. We still have a lot of the RAM stuff that Annex pulls, you know, putting service, putting services asleep. Not everything's running all the time. Uh, we do have a few more libraries installed that maybe you don't necessarily get out of the box with some other distributions, but that might make things like some of your graphics display a little bit better. I was uh, going to say, I, I gamed. Um, well, the video that you commented on way back in the day that I made on MX, I was gaming in it, and it gamed gorgeous, and that was on the NVIDIA 1080. There's a tweak in the kernel, and we're actually looking to put in the same. It's not in 17 yet, but we're we're getting there. Um that might have something to do with it. I can't tell you what the kernel is. I didn't do the kernel. Uh, another guy in our form, another guy in our crew is doing the kernel. But there is a tweak inside the kernel that probably most desktop oriented, at least the big boys, won't have. There might be some fringe arch guy doing it, but uh, you know, not the so, core guys. So seventeen. That's uh, I'm playing in the beta right now. I absolutely love it. What are some things we can look forward to in seventeen? Nope. Well, we've got we got all the new theming. We've got the updated packages. Uh, we've got a bunch of tweaks to our snapshot system. Actually, that's that's inherited from Annex, but we we got a couple tweaks in the in the MX snapshot system so that when you name it, it actually is named whatever you name it instead of just snapshot. It's pretty nice. I've actually seen a lot of people playing with it online. I'm happy about that. It, it's mm -hmm. I know Ghost 67's been messing with it. I've uh, been conversing with him a little bit because he's trying to put something together he can distribute. And uh, uh, the guy from Linux and other stuff, Dave, he's, Dave. he's been messing with it. He hasn't got back to me, but I dropped some comments on on his. Um, uh, the remaster system is faster, I think. At least it seems faster for me. Um, we got the conky editing tools. I don't know. We're just focused on being easy to set up. You wouldn't believe how you can pile all the unique features in the world into your operating system. And if it's a booger to set up, no yeah, one cares. Right. Exactly. So our focus is almost entirely on making the thing set easy to set up. And that's, that's the impetus behind the package installer. Most of the MX tools, uh, almost everything is, is get your system up and running. Cause you don't really want to do the operating system. You want to do something else with it. I assume. Yeah. Yep. Um, you know, the Steam installer, uh, all that stuff uh, is improved. Now, we do have improved. One of the things that is improved, uh, we hope, uh, Bluetooth should work a little bit better. Yes, hopefully, definitely. Hopefully. That's tricky. It's tricky in the Debian world. Change with that, and it made such a huge difference because oh. Bluetooth was a disaster in Linux before, honestly. It was such a pain in the butt. They're, they're paying more attention. I think most a lot of that's the work they do for Chrome and OS and Android and all that. A lot of that is directly applicable, so... You get, you know, everybody trying to fix all that that hacker bug from a couple months ago. All of a sudden, everybody's wants to loot. That's true. There's lots of good stuff. There's lots of good stuff. Like I said, the, the higher kernel. Hopefully, we're going to have the four point one three kernel if today's build goes okay. After I get after after I get off here, I, I got to finish that build. And right. um, 
uh, get it uploaded. Uh, so there's 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 a lot coming. Oh, one thing: if you tried beta one and you noticed that your RAM usage was like 600 megabytes or something uh, at idle, that's going to be about half. Well, it's going to be about 400 megabytes once when beta two comes out. Fantastic. Uh, We've 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 we found what was eating our RAM, so nice. We fixed that. Well, so do you have a release date, or do you just release it when it's ready for MX seventeen? It'll, it'll release in December, but it'll it'll be it'll release when it's done. Uh, you know, none of us we don't have any full time developers on either the Antics or MX projects, so we're all kind of, and we're all spread out all over the world. I mean, we got guys Antics in Greece, we got guys in New Mexico. I'm in the East Coast. Uh, we got folks in Europe. Uh, you know, our art director, I think is 12 hours different from us. So every, everything, you know, we basically all work as we get time to do it. And, but nothing says, nothing gets the game together to get things done than set a release date in December. So, <laughs> <laughs> so Dolphin, it's coming one, together fast. one of our patrons wants to know if there are any plans for an I3 spin. I could have sworn Antics has that, but not. Antics MX. has a tiling manager in it called Herb's Left WM. And that's built in Antics. It, it's actually on the Antics full, might even be on the Antics base ISOs. I forget if it's on both. Uh, we, at MX, part of what makes the experience solid for folks is we're focusing on one thing. And that, this is probably maybe the number, except for what when you're getting better, newer NVIDIA drivers, this is probably the number two question we get, which is, which is when you're going to do this spin, you're going to do that spin. How about budgie? How, that seems to be the big one right now. How about mm. doing a budgie spin? Well, Budgie's we're going to do XFCE right. Because uh, what you got to realize is most of the MX tools, not all of them, but a lot of them are XFCE centric. Right. Right. Uh, so they don't, a lot of the experience you get vanishes when you go to a different, a different desktop. Now the KDE desktop spin has been pretty popular. So, you know, I'm sure that'll probably get updated. The workbench spin will probably get updated. Um, but uh, but those are done by people either in the community or outside the community, and we can contribute them. We don't really okay. Technically, we support them, but I mean, we don't support them technically. But if you throw up a question, we'll probably try to answer it. Right. Um, but yeah, so probably not I three. I, I, I get you. I feel you. But you never probably know. No manager fan, but probably not an official spin. Doesn't stop someone from firing up MX snapshot and making one themselves, though. There you go. Should be fairly easy. So the release date for or the release time zone is December. At what yeah, point? You left before Christmas. Yeah. At what point do you then start work on MX eighteen or the next release? Right after, or do you guys take a break or what? Well, we'll probably take a little bit of a breather, but we're already talking. We're already talking about the next Annex release. So wow. Awesome. Do you have any juicy details for us? <laughs> right now it's all under the hood stuff and 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 you know it's not it's not super sexy but it, it's it's all under the hood stuff but um uh you know obviously Andix uses um you know there's a whole system d thing out there Andix doesn't use system d at all so we have to keep fixing and system v is more or less abandoned at debian okay it's there we're using it but it's it's more or less abandoned as a as a core system so we had to keep fixing it as things break. There is a lot of system D system V stuff that we fixed in Annex and in consequence works just fine in MX. Um, particularly with the networking stack and a few other odds and ends. But so we try to get this stuff right in Annex first, and then we don't have then we can worry about the desktop experience in MX instead of having to worry about if it boots or not. Um, 
So that'll be Annex will probably be the next release, and then probably I would guess mid year you'll see another MX point bump, probably right after a Debian big Debian point bump release about the same time. Yeah, they do what four or five, three or four a year, and we'll probably come in halfway. All right. So support wise, we talked about translations and everything. Do you guys have um, a PayPal donation site uh, for that particular you thing? Go to our forum. You can go to our uh, mxlinux.org website, and they will. Uh, there's there's a contribute link, and it talks about time and material and cash. And you actually uh, you can actually contribute to the antics or MX projects there. Nice. Or both would be good. Both there would be go. good. <laughs> All right, man. I know the antics guys in particular appreciate hardware. We had some hardware donated to us. Oh wow! Any uh, Ryzen thread rippers in there? I don't actually know exactly <laughs> what he's got, but all I know is he he, he actually emailed this morning. Uh, uh, the the live the live boot uh, the gentleman takes care of live boot emailed this morning and said I can't believe I'm only using one percent of the RAM. I'm like how how much how little RAM did you have? Before? <laughs> <laughs> it only runs at 170 megs now. <laughs> so, wow. So he's he's tickled to death with whatever he got, whatever was donated to us. That's so, awesome. Yeah, no, he's he's tickled pink. And so if people want to get a hold of you, Dolphin, how do they do that? What's the best way to get a hold of you? The best way is actually a, uh, probably a forum post uh, at, at MX Linux. If you want, actually, if you want to message me in particular, uh, probably through either my YouTube page is probably the best way to do it. You can drop me a message there. Or, or a comment on a video. That's probably the easiest way to get me. You're not going to drop your cell phone number on the... Yeah. I'm not putting my cell phone number. <laughs> Be brave. Here it is. And there it goes. Yeah. So, no, no cell phone numbers. But uh, I am on Twitter at, at Dolphin Oracle. Uh, I'm not on Twitter a lot, so that's probably not the best place to get me. But uh, uh, yeah, probably the YouTube channel. I check it routinely. Even yeah. when I'm not producing videos, I get the I get I got it set up so I get the notifications on messages. Perfect. Well, listen, you guys are doing fantastic work over there. I haven't tried Antics yet, but I have definitely tried and fallen in love with MX. Wow. I think it's amazing. I love the tools that you guys are doing. I love that it's XFCE, just despite <laughs> Rocco, especially. Really? Yeah. And uh, But you guys are doing really, really fantastic work. And I can't imagine how many people you probably have converted to Linux by making MX such a user-friendly platform to begin with. And it's Definitely, even if you're new or you're experienced, MX is just a great option, and you guys have done fantastic work with it. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate that. Uh, and and uh, it, you know, we're a little more we're a little more polished. We developed the tech on Annex, so a little more polished for for the average user on MX, and it all works out in the end. So we appreciate that. Well, we appreciate you being here, but we appreciate you your work in the community itself, man. Because, yeah. like you said, nobody gets paid. It's all free time. It's all love for Linux and let's make it work. And I think that's awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you. All you right. guys too, for that matter. I mean, you know, I know you guys are raking in the big bucks from the swag sales. Huge. But, uh, huge. Yeah. <laughs> we don't know where to yeah. put all the money, right? Yeah. We've run out of rubber bands. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Rubber bands. Okay. <laughs> all right, man. It was great talking to you again. And uh, we'll definitely have you back on the show in the future. Yeah. Oh, well, I appreciate it. I got to catch up to Ike. You know, I might have been first. Right? Here more. I know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, brother. It was great talking to you. All right. Thank you. Take care. Thanks. So, Rocco, we just finished with Dolphin Oracle. I have a lot of history here, and I didn't realize it until he came back on the show how much history 
from the early days of my Linux journey that MX has been a part of. So it was very personal to me to have him back on here. I know you've had him on here before and kind of hear the story and the things that have gone on in MX and how it's advanced. MX-16 really put them on the map. I feel like a lot of people talked about that. Yep. But MX-17, it's just fire. It is really, really good and solid. I've been playing with it for the last week, and I love it. And, of course, it's XFCE, so the greatest desktop oh environment gosh. ever. Right. What do you think? Well, it's always good to have a guy like Dolphin Oracle back on the show because, well, one... He was on episode two, so mm-hmm. a lot of history there, like you said, yep. and he's one of those guys that are is down to earth. I mean, and things have changed since episode two. Uh, yep. You know, he is now one of the developers for MX, and rather than just a, a part of what he was. So a lot of things have changed, and he's just, even though things have changed, he's still down to earth and is willing to talk to you, and he puts everything on the table. You know what I mean? It's like, there it is. Uh, He doesn't sugarcoat anything. He doesn't say, oh, well, this is the way, you know, I don't remember that part of it. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. he's just real and it's awesome to get to talk to him and all the effort that they put into MX. What can you say about it, man? It's just absolutely. Tried it, And you decided you didn't like MX for whatever reason. I don't know what that would be. You still would have to respect what's gone into it Yep. and how much customization and individual Uh, applications and things that they've made to make MX more useful. And I think that's so unique because there are a lot of times where I'll try a distribution and they have their own custom applications that I don't want to use. But with MX, I actually search for MX in the apps to see what they have to solve the problem that I'm having at that time because their apps are that good. They put a lot of time and effort and love into this stuff. And you've mentioned this many times, and I think it's just as clear here. Here's a guy with a regular job, a family, all of this stuff, and then doing this on the side again. I mean, it's incredible what dedication happens in the Linux community for these projects, the love that goes into all of it. It makes you really appreciate the efforts that they put into it. Yeah. So, And, and you've, you've brought it out. Hey, we just take a ISO and we stick it on a USB and we're like, oh, we like it or we don't. We don't think about the millions of lines of code that went into making that possible and so easy and how far Linux has come in just five years. Well, you know? and that that goes back to that where, you know, years ago it was not simple. It was not easy. And now today we're at a point where just about anybody could put a uh, an ISO on a USB and fire it yeah. up. So. It's, it's pretty amazing awesome. Amazing time to be a part of Linux, isn't it? If you want to uh, check out MX Linux, it is mxlinux.org. You can download Antics or MX. You can support them. You can get involved, like uh, Dolphin had talked about. But I suggest you go over there and at least give it a look because it's definitely worth it. Definitely. You know what's also worth it, Ryan? What's that? Our patrons. They're awesome. They are super awesome. So our patrons continue to support the work that we do and we appreciate them immensely. Now they can join in during the shows and even ask questions. And we were able to get a question in from the patron today. I was kind of, one, I think one of the first times since we've been doing the patron thing. So really want you guys participating and being a part of the creation of the show. Yep. And also everybody that watches and listens, it's not just the patrons. The patrons are awesome. Okay, but everybody that watches and listens every week, uh, 
we appreciate it very much. And mm-hmm. that's why we do what we do. So yeah. a big thank you to everybody. All right. That's it for this week, brother. Maybe we'll do one next week. What do you think? Maybe. I'm pretty excited. You never know what we might be doing, who we might be interviewing, what news we might be covering. We got some exciting interviews coming up. So We always do. All right. Everybody have a great week. And remember, the journey itself is just as important as the destination. Thanks, everyone. Thank you for listening to another episode of Destination Linux Podcast. It works out. Well, that's what happens when you have one person doing all the work. Yeah, right? Yes, exactly. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Zeb, I don't do nothing. I just sit down. Sit up all I night. sit down and I hit render. I hit start the meeting. That's all I do. And then he uploads whatever's there. Yeah. Never edit. Never, edits. never edits. Never makes posts. Never makes Patreon posts. Never does. All right, somebody get your violin out. Holy crap. <laughs> never makes images to go along with everything. You know. Can we banners. get some sad music in here? No, I never do anything you? around here. So, what kind of dogs do you have, Dolphin? I got an ancient beagle. He may be the first beagle. The first beagle. <laughs> he is pretty old. <laughs> the first beagle. Can you start that whole thing about how much work you do real quick? Can you hear this? I do so much work around here. It's ridiculous. I feel so used and abused. It's like they never really tell you you care and they care anymore. You know, it's just use you for whatever you can do for them. That's all it is. That's it. I'm out of here. <laughs> <laughs> that was brilliant. <laughs>